the the way that I've been expressing it a lot lately is um, I consider myself to be a gender atheist. Like, you know, gender is really important to a lot of people, and I think that's awesome. I personally just don't believe in it. But that doesn't mean that, like, gender doesn't have a real tangible impact in my life and everyone else's life. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 235. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an awesome conversation with Jude. Jude learned about non-monogamy about eight years ago, and we have a wide-ranging conversation with them today. Yeah, and I think one of the... We've, we've done this before where we've had a guest on who's sort of taking non-monogamous themes and lessons and bringing them to monogamy. And Drew's going to talk a bit about how they're doing that and how they sort of explore non-monogamy for like a year or two and are sort of feeling this pull back to monogamy, but, but going to do it their own way. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of the thread this whole episode is Jude does life their own way. Right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's amazing. So thank you, Jude, for coming on, for sharing your story and for being here. Uh, one quick technical note regarding the audio quality. The audio quality overall in this episode is actually really good. At the beginning, uh, a train goes by and is a little bit loud. Right. And it was really impossible to edit out. And uh, Jude was going to go inside, but it only lasted a second. So um, if you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. Like it only lasts for a minute or two. It's only temporary. And then there's no more trains the whole episode. Yes. So that's all. Also, Jude mentions two people in this episode that have been on our podcast, so we wanted to call them out really quick. Ryan, who is episode 181, and Izelda, who is episode 191 as Izzy. So we're super excited that Jude came on today, and we can't wait to get this episode out there. Thank you again, Jude. Before we jump into the interview, we've got a couple of quick things, some events coming up that we wanted to mention to everybody. So the first is this Friday, uh, Friday the 13th, yes, May 13th, we have a virtual meet and greet. We've been doing these for a couple of years now, and they're a fantastic way to sort of dip your toes in to non-monogamy, maybe find some community, make some friends, uh, do a little bit of exploring from the safety of your own home. And you know what? You can always just leave if you don't feel safe. <laughs> But we've never had anybody do that, and we're just really excited about this. So that, again, is this Friday the 13th. And just a quick note, these are open to anyone. You just need to be open-minded and respectful to come join us. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Community Events tab. There you will find all of the information. Under the Virtual Events tab. Yes. Yes. The other event that we've got coming up is not until September. It is the weekend of September 17th. We're going to be in New Orleans. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff going on there, from uh, ranging from a high ropes course to a clothing optional pool party. We're going to do a meet and greet. And we're also, as you'll hear in this episode, uh, Jude is the creator of the New Orleans Wrestling Federation. We made that up last week. <laughs> Jello wrestling? What did I say? Just wrestling. Dr <laughs> <laughs> nope, jello wrestling. Big difference. <laughs> That's a pretty important qualifier. 
the Jello Wrestling Organization in New Orleans. So uh, they're going to talk about that more and what that looks like. But we're super excited about that. For all of the information on the different events that are coming up, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Community Events tab, and you'll see all of the information about the virtual meet and greet and the New Orleans in-person meet and greets. We also wanted to do a quick shout out to our amazing Patreon community. We're incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. And the community is growing. So if you're out there looking for like-minded people and looking for friendships, go on and check out our Patreon community. You can find all the information on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Friendships and support. All of it. We get a, we get a whole bunch of support out of this community. So thank you all for being a part of it. And the last thing we have to say before we jump in is actually regarding last week's episode. We brought on William Winters from the Bonobo Network, the founder of the Bonobo Network. So go back and listen to episode 234 if you hadn't, haven't. It's a fantastic conversation. Yes, it is. But coming up in a couple of weeks, the weekend of May 27th to May 30th, uh, the Bonobo Network is putting on event their Bonobo Network retreat called Play. This retreat is probably going to be one of the best ways to experience the Bonobo community. You'll have time and space to go as deep or as broad as you'd like. There's going to be catered meals, workshops on sexuality and relationships, hiking, movement classes, live music by sex-positive singer-songwriter Rachel Lark. Uh, Dixie De La Tour will be on hand for body storytelling as well as great DJs and, of course, space for sexy play, if that's what you're into. If you want more information about this, head over to bonoboretreat.com or head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and you will find links in the show notes to learn more about the Bonobo Retreat. These are not affiliate links, so you can get there however you want. Again, bonoboretreat.com, and you'll learn about all of the things you need to do to take part. Yes. We highly encourage you to go check it out. It's an amazing event. We would love to join. Unfortunately, I want to clarify, we are not going to be attending this, but hopefully in the future we will. Next year, it's on the calendar. <laughs> this year is not possible. Right. <laughs> so bummed that we won't be there, but we hope you can all make it and definitely check it out. The Bonobos are doing amazing work. So. Now. All right. We get to go into the interview. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Thanks. Finally. Thanks, Thanks for hanging with us. And yeah, let's go talk to Jude. Hi, Jude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're excited to talk to you today. So welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. We met you about, I don't know, two months ago, a month and a half ago a when half. we were in, yeah, when we were in New Orleans mm -hmm. and hit it off. Yep. And we're so excited to talk again. Yeah, so. it's good to see yeah. you all. Yeah. Thank you for being here. We're we're excited. I can tell you're excited. And we'd love for you to introduce yourself. For anybody who doesn't know Jude. Hi, my name is Jude. <laughs> I um I do a lot of cool things and I know a lot of cool people. Yeah. And including us. Right. And we're humble. A lot of humble people too, right? <laughs> very, very. But maybe I'm maybe also, like the most humble, which is pretty impressive for like how cool and hot and talented and creative I am. <laughs> totally understand. I, I, I get love it. it. I get it. <laughs> uh, maybe we should start with uh, since this is a you know more of a relationship podcast. I guess what is your relationship dynamic at the moment? And we'll, we're going to go back and peel back the onion layers. Like, uh, I guess technically single. Like, I I wouldn't say that. Like, like I don't have like any like strong romantic ties at the moment. I've been casually seeing this one person for a little over a year but like it's it is all like it is pretty much friends that kiss sometimes 
Um, and that's like the, the biggest and most consistent romantic aspect I've had in my life for a while. But like, they've been, you know, been going on dates. I've had like, you know, like a month here, a month there with like different people. But, you know, nothing has really stuck so far. And so like going, going back, I know when we, when we talked a couple of months ago, when we first met, uh, you live in a house with a whole bunch of people who are polyamorous people who've been on this show. Uh, and so it's definitely been a thread in your life. Do you mind sort of taking us back to the beginning? Like when, when did non-monogamy sort of crop up for you first and, and what, like sort of what relationship have you had with non-monogamy over the years? So I was introduced to the concept of non-monogamy through the fan favorite, Ryan Prejean, uh, <laughs> who is uh, one of my best friends and kind of my life partner. We like, we've known each other for like eight years. We've lived together for about two. And like, if, if I can't find like a, a steady romantic partner who wants to like really do the thing with me, me and Ryan are going to, have kids where like I'm still buying a house with him no matter what like where like he can't get rid of me and like I'm very grateful to have like his steady presence in my life and he was the person who introduced me to it we dated for like six months back when we first met and he was still with his uh partner Bree and like at that time I was kind of dating a few people I think it was like like three or four oh I don't know how I managed to juggle that and be in school but um (laughs) And then that kind of fell off. We still, we, we're still friends, but one of the other relationships uh, with one of the people that I was with at the same time kind of fostered into something more serious. And he was really into like non-monogamy for the sexual aspect of it. Um, and so I like, you know, we would kind of like, he more or less he would pimp me out and like I would fool around with other people. And that was cool and fun for a while. Uh, and then that fell off. And, um, and then I, I kind of just dated monogamously for a while, but I also have a degree in anthropology and I've always been really interested in like the social, like the socio, like cultural aspect of specifically the non-monogamy culture in New Orleans. Cause as y'all know, like it is like, it is like a real, like tangible part of the culture here. And I think that's really interesting and you don't really see that a lot. So I've, I've kind of been doing like a low key participant observation study for the past couple of years, just observing like the culture and how like every individual dynamic kind of works and like the larger ecosystem of new Orleans non-monogamy. And then after a few years of dating exclusively, I had a pretty rough breakup, moved to new Orleans and I was like, okay, I've, I've been like really curious about trying polyamory. And so I've been giving it a shot for the past like year and a half. And uh, I'm kind of starting to move away from it a little bit. I don't, think that polyamory is really for me but it's still been a very cool uh an interesting experience like i've had like a lot of really great relationships with people and i've learned a lot that i'm very grateful for yeah well do you mind talking a little bit about what what you have learned over the last i mean it's been a number of years right eight years since you sort of learned about it but really like maybe a year and a half two years since you been living it more or less and and again and just thank you for like sharing a little bit about your background and you know you before we hit record you're like is it going to be okay if i'm maybe moving away from polyamory and it's like i think that's okay it's totally fine we'll still let you on um (laughs) but we'll give everybody a disclaimer like hey this one i don't know (laughs) trust me anytime any of my friends introduce me to someone new that they get that same treatment (laughs) yeah so just watch out for this one (laughs) 
Um, I think one thing that like was a really great lesson for me was just like getting comfortable and like really like intimately understanding the idea of having like being able to have these like really absolutely wonderful, close, very intimate platonic relationships with people that like aren't threatening to a romantic relationship. Cause like, I, I think, I think in like the, the standard like monogamy narrative, like, you know, like people throw around the whole, like your partner can't uh, solve all of your, or like can't, can't like fulfill all of your needs. And like, I think that's like a really common like thread with like polyamory. But I, I think like it, like just because like those needs are there, that doesn't also mean that it has to include that sexual aspect, which I think like a lot of people kind of get that confused. Cause like I have like, like four very like emotionally intimate, comfortable, passionate, close friendships. And like, they're just friendships. And like, I'm very, very grateful to have them, but like, it, it, I, I don't, like those would not ever be like a threat to any kind of relationship that I would have. And like, I think because of that, I'm like more secure in my own attachment and am more secure in like other people's attachment with me. Cause like, I want other people to have that kind of like that sort of level of support from not just like their romantic partner. Yeah. That makes total sense. I'm curious, like looking ahead to like moving away from polyamory where perhaps other partners that you meet would be, pretty secure with this idea, right? Like Ryan might be okay with you having another partner and that partner being platonic or sexual or whatever makes sense. But let's say you bring in, you find this new partner that's like, Hey, I want that romantic piece and we're going to be life partners together as well. But you're like, uh, yeah, but I also have a life partner in Ryan and we, we own a house and we're doing all these things. But so like, I think there's still just looking, looking in from the outside, like there's still an aspect that like the new person who comes in, has to also like sort of match your level of security in some ways. Yeah. And like that, that's part of why it's been difficult for me to like find a partner is like, cause, cause also like a- another thing too, is like, I've gotten really like comfortable and like my own independence. And like, y'all know this, I'm a very, very busy person and like, I'm a very social person. And like, I like going out and I like having these like awesome experiences with experiences with people. But like, and like from, from, you know, the outside looking in, like, if I were in like another person's shoes and like, I, I saw that I had like, like, you know, this person that I was dating has this, like these like really solid relationships. Like I know that it could be like intimidating to kind of go up against. And so like, I'm very fine. Like, you know, if I really like this person and like, they really like me and like, it works I'm very fine. Like, you know, doing whatever I can to like communicate and help them feel more secure. But like, I'm also not worried about like sacrificing the things that are important to me to like, be able to maintain that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have like, ultimately like you have to do what fulfills you and they have to be okay with that. Not, not like, Hey, you just have to be okay with this. But like, if, if they're not and you're not, then it's not going to like ultimately work out. Right. Like you can't give up who you are, everything that you've built to make somebody else feel secure. Right. And it might, it, it makes sense that it's taking time to, to meet someone that would, that I guess fits that mold um, that would be okay with all of that. And, but that's also doesn't not saying that it's not possible. It totally is. No. And I I definitely think it is. And like, I I think with like non-monogamy kind of taking like a bit more of like a a center stage in like the, the modern cultural dialogue, at least for younger people, I think more and more people are starting to kind of open up 
to the idea of like non-traditional relationships um because also part of like you know me wanting to live with ryan forever is like i feel like i really thrive in like communal living Mm -hmm. and i don't want to live in a house that has like less than three people in it and i don't want to live with just a romantic partner so like if i ever do end up living with a romantic partner again like we're gonna be at a big house with me and ryan and probably like a couple other people uh, because that's what feeds and nourishes me and i think that like communal living is a really important thing for people in general yeah Mm -hmm. what are the what are the things that draw you to that communal living yeah i mean so i grew up kind of lonely i was an only child in a neighborhood that didn't have a whole lot of kids but um like since i like started like living with like roommates and stuff like i really appreciated just like having someone always like just kind of be in the house like i like i can like go over there and just sort of like kind of boop them and i i'm very i'm very much like a, a caretaker type of person like i really i really love like you know having like people that are around me that like i have like this intimacy of like being able to like be vulnerable and have them be vulnerable with me and i, I like feeding people and like i'm not gonna like i like co- y'all know i like cooking for like a shitload of people so like <laughs> I, I like any excuse to do that. And also just like having people who have lots of skills that I don't like part of why me and Ryan work so well, like <laughs> Ryan and I are like very similar, but very opposite people in a lot of ways. Like Ryan is very good at like maintaining order. Like Ryan's very good at like putting, like keeping things like in their place. I'm not, that is not my strong suit. I'm anyone who's lived with me will tell you that like I'm, I'm the kind of motherfucker to like forget to close a cabinet door but i am also very good at like certain logistical things i'm very good at like detail oriented like housework and so like we balance each other out and zelda is like you know really great at fixing things so like having this like group of people with like the collection of skills that we do like just helps the whole house function better hi izzy <laughs> you want you want to say hi to finn and emma yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> also, when looks like this. Cameo. Hi, Izzy. Hey, Izzy. Good to see you. Nice seeing y'all. Yeah. I'm going to go make some coffee. So I can tackle today. Enjoy your coffee. <laughs> love it. The cameo. I know. <laughs> go check out Izzy's episode. We're right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, yes, and it was perfect timing because it's about the communal living. Yeah, and like it's it's just like again, and it goes back to like the the whole intimacy piece of like I really love being able to like spend my time and my space with people that like I'm very comfortable with and like trust and like like not only like have the emotional support of those people, but also be able to be that emotional support for my friends because like. One of my favorite things about, like, living here is sometimes me and Ryan will just be, like, up at, like, 11 and, like, hanging out in the kitchen while Ryan's doing dishes and, like, we'll just be shooting the shit for, like, an hour and a half. Just, and it's really nice to be able to, like, just kind of have that. And I really treasure those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That wouldn't happen if you didn't live together. Yeah. Or it would be a lot, I guess, rarer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And... So going back to like the, you touched on like a relationship maybe doesn't have to include the sexual aspects or, you know, the, the, the concept that like 
one partner can't maybe meet all of your needs, or maybe it's possible, but it's also really hard to find that. Like drawing the line between, and this is sort of one of those longstanding debates, like who are you in a relationship with versus who is a, a quote unquote friend versus who is a, a partner? Like how do you personally, how do you draw those lines or, or do you just not worry about those lines? Um, <laughs> I actually do think about this a lot. And like, I've talked to my therapist about this a lot too. Cause, um, I, part of like why I don't feel like non-monogamy is really for me is like, like there's a certain like formula for like what really like feels like a romantic partner to me. That's like, um, that non-monogamy just doesn't really like fulfill, like, there's like a certain threshold of like romantic intimacy and attention and focus that kind of just like allows me to be like open to like the commitment aspect of it. Cause you know, I have, I have friends that I fuck sometimes, but like, that's like once every couple of months and like, we don't talk all the time. And like, there's people that I talk with a lot that I don't really want to fuck. So like, it's, it's like, this intimacy or this intersection of like intimacy, personal compatibility, sexual compatibility, and like consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And where that all comes together. And, and like that whole nexus. And also like, you know, having the conversation of it. Cause like I'm very much the type of person like, unless like we like both sit down and talk of like, like, is this is a thing? This is a thing. Okay, cool. Just clarification. Like, I'm non binary and I'm very queer and. I'm neurodivergent, so, like, some people are like, I don't like labels. I love labels. I I love having, (laughs) like, I'm very much, like, a a categorizer. Like, I love having boxes to put things in. Yeah, which is actually unusual. I feel like, not unusual, but it's not as common that people like labels. But I I love it. Like, you're very comfortable in who you are and what you're, like, you want the boxes. And I I think that that is... um, that's powerful too, because it can help you. Ex- I don't know. <laughs> ex- well, well, what is, what is for you, the benefit of having the box, the label, what does that do for you? I think it provides like a certain amount of like security and context. Like I just, cause I'm, I'm very much like the type of person who will be like, unless it has been established, it is not that mm-hmm. like, it, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, I think it's like a security piece for me. It's also like, I, I very much, like, don't want to assume things about people, especially, like, you know, like, about, like, you know, personal relationships like this, like, unless, like, it has been explicitly stated, uh, I don't want to just, like, kind of, like, think that, which is, which honestly has been, like, really great, because, like, I, I've got a lot of anxiety, I've been, like, a chronic overthinker, and I've really kind of overcome that um, in the past couple of years, because, like, I I take people at face value, like, I've, I've tried really hard to, like, get to that point where, like, I'm like, if you tell me something about like, if you tell me we're good, or if like you tell me we're not good, I'm taking that at face value. And I'm going to work off that off of that assumption. Mm-hmm. And so, it's because it's so easy to spin it up in your head and make it so much more It's so easy to do that. And so like, you know, like, like, if I ever start spiraling, I'm, I bring myself back and I'm like, No, this is the information that I have. I'm not going to start telling my tel- telling myself stories. This is, this is what, like, unless otherwise stated and like, I'm happy to like, you know, approach people be like, Hey, just want to like check in. Um, it's just that, which also has the added benefit of like, I will oftentimes kind of go out of my, go out of my way, um, to like my friends and be like, Hey, 
like I, I was texting my friend last night and um, like my friend Kara, she's been like a really awesome, like mentor figure in my life. She's a few years older than me, but like we we're very similar people and like, I really appreciate like, you know, being able to go to her about like a lot of different things. And so last night I just texted her. I was like, Hey, I don't know if I've ever really explicitly stated this, but like, I'm really grateful that like we're friends and that like, I really appreciate how much you make space for me. And like you like, provide like context and like insight into these things. And like, I'm just very, very thankful to like have you as a presence in my life. Like I, I, I like making sure that that shit is like explicitly stated because I don't think a lot of people or enough people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I can really like relate to a, this conversation in that, like I sit on the fence with it sometimes. Like I don't like the labels around like, maybe like what type of non-monogamy we're doing. But when it comes to like, you're talking to a person about like what it is you are doing with them. The two of you, the, that yeah, arrangement. Like in yeah. that, in that diet or whatever, whatever the, the makeup of it is like, that is super helpful to me. And it, and it sounds like you and me share in that, like it almost gives you the permission to like, stop thinking about it yeah. and to be like, yeah. we've decided that the, the box is blue. And now I don't have to sit here and wonder like, is it a blue box? Is it a green box? Is it a yellow box? What? what? Well, but it could also change, it but, could, it, but, but you're it, in that box for right but now. But then you communicate that the, the box is yeah. no longer blue. The box is now yellow yeah. and now we're doing it. This and it way. all comes back to the conversation. And, yeah. and like, also I think part of it too, like, and like, you know, maybe this is just me, but like, I do think that like, like the, the whole like labels thing can be kind of a double-edged sword, mm-hmm. especially for, I think like particularly for like a lot of young people who are still kind of like trying to figure out that, that identity. Cause like, I, I do think that like, there's a certain amount of introspection that kind of just becomes picking at scabs and like really can do like more harm than good. So it's really like, like you find something that you're kind of comfortable with and like, you just have to like accept it. Like you got, like you got to be able to walk away from it. Cause like, I think that, like, if you don't give yourself permission to, like, walk away and, like, figure it out, then, like, you're never going to find what you're actually satisfied with. Like, there's always going to be, like, oh, and I, I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Are you are you speaking in terms of, like, relationship escalator type thing where it's, like, not, not this even. relationship? Like, I'm just okay. talking about, like, personal identity in general, really. Okay. <laughs> It almost you have to accept where like you're at where you're at yeah is that way kind of yeah where you're always like it's easy to keep um going is like is this is this enough almost like is this enough mm-hmm. um where if you if you decide where you're at that's where you're at and and I, I think particularly like a lot of like young queer people will sort of mm-hmm. kind of get into that sort of headspace like I, like one of the most universally like young queer experiences that like everyone has is like this feeling of like I'm not queer enough and I think that like that really kind of comes from like you know the the like picking at scabs and like overanalyzing like your own experiences like you can just be what you say you are mm-hmm. sure is that something that you have come up against yourself oh, as you started to explore 100%. Yeah. how how has that journey looked for you um really just like talking to people that i like view as like substantially more queer than i am being like and then hearing them say i just don't feel queer enough like i'm not as queer as you and i'm like mind blown um so like being able to like talk to people and like hear their experiences and like know that like 
we kind of suffer from the same kind of issue kind of shows me that it's not like it's not like an internal issue it's more of just like a systemic thing that like kind of comes from like our own perception of ourselves yeah it, for you is it sort of like an imposter syndrome like yeah no I, absolutely yeah. and like any non-binary bisexual will tell you that like you like it, it's such a intangible kind of experience that like and like you can't prove it to anyone either and, and like you know like I, i've i've literally like i've had sex with multiple women and been like i don't know if i'm gay enough like i, I was engaged <laughs> to a woman and i didn't feel gay enough yeah yeah i can under like i can understand especially as people are are coming into that identity too that it it's easy to question it it's so easy to question yeah. it yeah, when did when did your exploration of gender and sexuality when did when did that enter the picture? Um, I had my first experience with a girl when I was like eleven, um, and that kind of wow, yeah. No, like, but I'm not gay. No, I kiss girls, but I'm not gay. And like, I think like a lot of young sapphics will like kind of relate to this, like having this like really intense emotional relationship with like one of your friends at like a formative like middle and high school age and then having like a dramatic falling out with them like that being like one of like a really like fundamental part of like your own experience but like not really understanding it until like you know 10 years later like that happened um and then like i i was always sort of like interested in girls but um it's it's also scary like it's really intimidating to like try and pursue women as like a as like another femme person and i always like i I never really like strongly identified with like being a girl i identify with femininity some but um i i don't know if that's like more just like how i was socialized but like i do i do like feeling pretty um and i do like like i feel that like there's a certain amount of power that comes with femininity but i don't feel like a woman and i like whenever i started hanging out with more like gender queer people and like learning that language i was like oh yeah this is this is i yeah this is me um and then like a year later i changed my name and i've been like exploring a lot more of like how i exist in the world as like a gender queer person and like really figuring out what that means for me. And, and I know that like, I haven't really like kind of like, I know the dust hasn't settled on like my identity, but I'm also like trying to not like, again, like I'm not, I'm trying to not pick at it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it is what it is right now and it can, but it can change, yeah. but it doesn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. How, how have you felt in terms of just, I don't know the best, like the question I'm trying to ask is like, have you felt, more at peace since you've started that journey and since you've also stopped picking at the scab. Yeah, no, for sure. Like it's, it's kind of funny. Like I, I've definitely like really kind of like gotten comfortable with like my, my non-binary identity and like so many people will like refer to me as like dad. And like, I like that, like basically like my socially accepted gender is dad. Like, I really love that. Um, I have this friend I, who I adore um, and she calls me daddy, like as like a father figure. And she was like telling her boyfriend at the time that like, you know, she was going to introduce him to her dad. And then it was me. And he was like, 
hello, sir. And I'm like, I, sh- I shake his hand. I'm like, how's it going, sport? <laughs> <laughs> All right, champ, let me tell you the ins and outs of the, <laughs> right. this young lady you're seeing. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's yeah, really I love cool. It. And like, and several people have sort of like referred to me as like dad. And like, I like that, like daddy is my gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for for going into that a yeah, little no, bit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, I guess along those same lines, did you ever in that exploration? Um, because I think naturally some might question, like, how did you and if this is comfortable for you to talk about, how did you land on non-binary and and uh, did you explore um, whether you wanted to transition as well? Oh, I've, I've been tossing around the football in my head of like wanting to take testosterone for a really long time. Um, and like, I've thought about like, if I want to like fully transition and like, if I'm being quite honest, I think my personality would be insufferable if I were a man. In what, in what ways? Like I'm, I'm brash and domineering and like very loud. And like, I like to talk about things and like, I know uh, like I, I would be a mansplainer. I would be an obnoxious mansplainer. <laughs> And like, I, and I also, I, I kind of like being able to move through the world perceived as a woman. Like I, I, I think that like people listen to at least like my own like expression of like emotions a lot more being perceived Mm -hmm. as, as feminine. Um, and I just, I don't really like, I also, I would be a short man and like, I'm, I'm hot <laughs> as a woman, and like I don't want to be like a, a short, soft boy. Like if if that's other people's things, then more power to you. But like, I it's it's just not how I like. I'm comfortable with like how I look and how I'm perceived, but like I, I have thought about like wanting to microdose testosterone, and like I'm I still might. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. You don't have to have the answer now. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for sharing that because I think that's an easy you know, as people are on that journey themselves, like where, h- how do I figure this out? Yeah. And, and that's why I like talking about, like, thank you for letting me like talk about this. Cause I, I think like the more people or like more people who are able to like kind of hear other perspectives can like, I think that will help them kind of figure out like where they sort of lean on like their own, like gender experience and expression. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Non-binary is like sort of the catch up. Like I, I, for cis people, I say I'm non-binary. Um, to other trans people, uh, there's like a 45 minute explanation of my own gender. But I think I think the uh, the the way that I've been expressing it a lot lately is um, I consider myself to be a gender atheist. Like, you know, gender is really important to a lot of people, and I think that's awesome. I personally just don't believe in it. But that doesn't mean yeah. that like gender doesn't have a real tangible impact in my life and everyone else's life. Right. Right. Just that for you, it just doesn't really apply. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can ebb and flow in whatever spaces you want to be in at that time. Yeah. 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 Love it. I, I was curious on the like, and, and I don't want these to seem as though they're like interrogation questions. No, no, they're like, just, I, I, I don't, I don't feel put on the spot at all. <laughs> good. So, sometimes I think they're like, I'm, I'm channeling. Like if I hear like somebody riding in their car being like, uh, here's a question I have for this person. And so like the, the thought is sort of like, okay, so you're interested 
and women and you identify you you labeled yourself earlier as bisexual, a bisexual binary person, and bisexual non-binary so you, person, non-binary person. I'm sorry. Yes, obviously, I'm it's just okay. misspoke. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you are now binary. I'm sorry. <laughs> it happened on it happened on this show. Uh, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> um, so, a non-binary bisexual person who is now thinking that maybe non-monogamy is not for them, but in making that transition, I don't want to say like you have to now pick like. But I'm just curious, is there any concern that, like, you maybe will miss interactions with whatever gender that you don't end up partnering with as you move forward? I mean, personally, for me, um, it's it's more of a it doesn't really matter. Like, mm-hmm. a person is a person and, like, I'm pretty content to, like deal with or like you know hang out with those parts yeah um because like I've, I've i've been in these like long-term monogamous relationships and i never really like like you know there would be like you know like the passing longing for like you know certain experiences but like i've had a lot of those experiences and like i think a lot of the like longing was more of like out of a curiosity thing mm-hmm. and so i i just like i i don't I don't feel like I'm missing out. So yeah. I don't think that like the, the whole like lacking access really bothers me. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, it's not like once you leave the club, you're not allowed back. Yeah, in, no, absolutely. Right? You, you can, you can get your hand stamped at the door and you're welcome back. Anytime, <laughs> right? I just got to pay club dues again. Yeah. Well, that's true, but you know, <laughs> uh, are there aspects of non-monogamy as you move forward in your future relationships that you want to continue? I think like the way that like non-monogamy, like, like the, the communication style that is necessary for non-monogamy is more effective than like the standard monogamous narrative. And like, that's something that I really kind of want to continue on. Um, and also just like the, the intimacy of friendship like that's something that like I've really like embraced in my experience with non-monogamy that like I want to carry over into uh, monogamy. Can you talk a little bit more about the communication style and what when you transitioned from monogamy to non-monogamy in this amorphous way? Like what what were the the communication shifts that you saw that you want to take forward? I mean, just just kind of like hearing people like talk a little bit more bluntly about like their needs. Like I've got. One of my friends, Reese, will uh, like tells me all the time, like I'm very good for advocating for my needs, and that is definitely something that um, kind of came about through non-monogamy that like I definitely didn't have before I was doing this, and so that's like just being able to be like, hey, this is something I need, and also being able to say like this is something I need. If that's not something you can provide, like this is really like this kind of relationship is the only kind of relationship I want to have with you. Yeah. Which yeah. is part of that. Like, Hey, maybe then you can put the label like, Hey, yeah, that if, conversation. I, if I can't get whatever this thing is, then like our relationship's going to be in this sort of in this container for now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, I love it. and also like, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a jealous person anymore, but like I used to be like very insecurely jealous and, you know, being able to like, spend time like and hang out with people that like 
I have fucked and I know are like actively fucking each other, like doesn't really get under my skin as much as it used to. Uh, like just kind of getting comfortable with that. And also like being able to like really like conceptualize like, okay, I had sex with this person, no desire to date them, but like, I still want to be able to like hang out with them and be a part of their life. And like, I feel really secure in that. And like knowing that that is like an experience that I have, it's a lot easier for me to like, understand and accept that from another person when I, again i think that's like something that like monogamy at least like you know mainstream monogamy doesn't really like allow for because like i think that like there's a lot of insecurity of just like oh this person has had sex with this person and so therefore i cannot trust this person and this person to be alone together mm-hmm. yeah like if they're going to get together they're obviously going to be having sex yeah like, clear, and, clearly you know that that at least is like like I know for a fact that that that's the, at least not like my experience. And so like that, since that is not my experience, I feel like it's a lot easier for me to like um, conceptualize and like accept that from like a potential partner. And if, if that ends up not being the case for them, then like I'm, I feel more comfortable in being able to exit the situation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I was to say, I just, I love how you are able to, I guess, have those conversations and that you've learned to have those conversations because it's a learned process. Having those conversations is a learned process and it's not easy, but when you practice it and you practice it and with multiple people, it makes such a huge difference. So I just, yeah, I guess appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Honestly, like that's one thing that I'm really excited about with the the person that I had a date with today. Like last night I was just like straight up like, Hey, like we met on a dating app and I was like, what are you looking for? And both of us were like very much like, these are my experiences. This is kind of what I want. Like, these are the things that like are important to me. And like, we were both really like able to like succinctly articulate it. And in like a way that like, I think both of us really like grasped, which was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's what you want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's exactly what you want. Like the first date, like just like yeah. cards on the table. This is what I'm looking for. And yeah. So this, this morning was your first date. Yeah. Ooh, that's so yeah, exciting. Really- <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, I like, I, I'm available for coffee like this morning, but like, I gotta leave pretty quickly, and so we had like an hour long date, and it was very fun. Awesome. Well, and I think too, like along those same lines, and along what, what Emma was saying earlier about um, like getting practice with those conversations. One one of the things that we or I will say I found fascinating is that you think you get good at having a conversation because you can do it with somebody, and then there's like new person comes in and you're like, I know how to have this conversation. And you start having, it and you're like, this is not going how it's supposed to go. What's happening. And you, then you're just like faced with this like reality that like, not everyone people... has the same communication style. Exactly. exactly. And so like for the fact that you had this date and like your styles like really meshed and you're able to have the conversations you wanted to have. And in the way that felt good, like that's amazing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so before I, interjected with that i had a question about working through the jealousy and that shift from like an insecure jealous place to where you are today and feeling a little more secure like you you touched on this a little bit but like what was that journey like and like what what did that jealousy used to look like and like how did you move along that path to where you are today um i think like uh before like when i was still monogamous like a lot of the jealousy was sort of like from like an insecure place of like me not getting like certain needs met and like as i've kind of moved through the year and like created like a stronger support network like 
a lot of my jealousy, like, and, and like, you know, I still experience jealousy, but like a lot of the jealousy, like I, it's still like not necessarily like a need being met, but it's kind of quelled by the fact that like, like a recognition of like, just because this need isn't being met by this person doesn't mean I need this person to meet that need. Right. And like, I don't need this person to meet this need. And like, and again, also like, because like this person can't meet this need for me, I do not need this person in this way. Um, so like, it's, it, it's, it, I almost need like a flow chart for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. And I think, like you can then also get some of those needs met via these close friendships that are not necessarily a quote unquote relationship, but they are a very important piece of your life. And maybe that frees you up to be in a romantic relationship in a different way that has less, maybe has less needs, right? Like you're getting these things met other places. You may not need your romantic partner to be your best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, like that may not be a thing. And, and you know, that, that's kind of like part of it too. Like I, and like, I feel so grateful. Like I, I feel like such a lucky fucking 25 year old female bodied person. Cause like I have someone that I live with who I love very much and trust implicitly. And like both of us want like, you know, want to have a house and kids and have decided that like you know we could totally do this with each other if we wanted to so like that takes so much pressure off of like trying to find a forever person in dating Mm -hmm. Uh, like i like it feels unfair almost to like some of my other friends who also want these things like i just feel absolutely like blessed to be able to have this yeah. Yeah. I, i hate asking yes no questions but i trust on you to expand on them so do you ever see a world where you have a long-term partner, a, a, you're, you're this the, the forever one, but maybe you end up having kids with Ryan and having the house with Ryan? Like, is that a dynamic that you think could like enter? Yeah, in? no, absolutely. Because I also think about like you know if like I buy the house with Ryan, I have the kids with Ryan, and then I meet that person afterwards. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like you know, I I think also like new co-parenting styles kind of coming out right now for better or for worse are like starting to become like a little bit more visible too. Like I've seen some people who like, like on, on TikTok, like who, um, they were married, they are now divorced, but they still live together. Um, and mm-hmm. like are able to like, you know, coexist sustainably and be able to like not stay together for the kids, but stay with the kids together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like a companionate yeah relationship and, and like you know there are plenty of people who like you know have kids and then get divorced and meet someone new like i don't and like you know if i have kids with brian and like we co-parent successfully and then i meet someone i don't really see very much of it if anything like there's less baggage mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. I think what's what I love about talking to you, Jude, is that there's like this this dichotomy between like I want labels and the labels feel good and I like to put things in boxes and then also like how about you just fuck off and let me live my life and don't worry <laughs> about like what my gender is, what my my sexuality is, who I'm making babies with, like just just let me fucking do my thing. And like, I'm going to make my own boxes and it's going to work for me. Yeah. Making your own boxes is like a totally valid way to do things. Like, like, that that is 
just like, I think that's more important than like coming up with any like pre-created boxes. Yeah. Totally. Well, because a lot of people looking in can say, okay, I'm hearing Jude say that you're moving away from non-monogamy, but yet you have Ryan, this life partner who you will, like, you want to be together. And depending on, like, what that looks like, you don't know exactly, but, you know, possibly ha- house and kids and all of that. But hey, I also am looking for this other partner, potentially, and, like, people are probably, like, mind-blown. Like, wait, isn't that non-monogamy? But, but I mean, but, being queer, I think, affords me, like, a lot of, like, um, like ability to be, like, non-traditional, because, like, mm-hmm. uh, so a little bit, like, I think I might have talked to y'all about this uh, during the party, but, like, um, but before I moved to New Orleans, I was engaged to someone, and it did not work out, and uh, that was really hard for me. And so I kind of don't really want to, or like, I want to be like really sure with a person before I like move in with them. And I also don't want to live with just them. Um, And so having this person that like I love and implicitly trust, who's been like a really like consistent pillar in my life. Like I, I don't think anyone is really going to be able to like, not necessarily like overshadow that, but like, I don't really see myself moving away from the lifestyle that I have with him. With Ryan. With Ryan. And like, also like, you know, like the, the concept of like queer platonic partners is like, you know, starting to get like a little bit more, more traction. And like, that's really what me and Ryan are. Like we're queer platonic partners. Like we, we love each other. We live together. We don't sleep with each other, but like, you know, we do like the whole domestic thing together really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, thank you for expanding on that a little bit, because I think it's, uh, uh, people could probably have a lot of questions yeah. like, rolling around, so I appreciate you expanding. Well, I'm going to ask one of those questions. Go for it. Go for and, it, Finn. And again, just because I know it popped into somebody's head, so you're platonic partners, and if you're going to make kids, obviously there has <laughs> to be some exchange of <laughs> the things that are I mean, needed. We haven't, we haven't gotten into the whole dynamics of that yet. all right all right well i'll I'll leave it there i was just curious like will it be like okay ryan we'll just close our eyes we'll we'll pretend we're on an island you know like (laughs) (laughs) it's not like i'm not attracted like it's not like we're not i I get it i get it it's not like you're repulsed by i'm like oh i don't even want it's not like we haven't fucked each other before Right, right. Okay. So you could make it happen is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I, I happen I happen to believe that that was the case. I just was like for the guy driving down the road like they're platonic but they're going to make kids. I don't know how that's going to work. So <laughs> All right. Thanks for There's sa- also medical options out there. I understand. <laughs> but it seems really expensive if you can just yeah. go and fuck. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> you don't even need a condom. It saves you it saves you a dollar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um <laughs> I'm gonna change the subject slightly. Please. <laughs> With uh you know, you seem like you are fairly um open, I guess, about who you are in the world. And I'm curious how that has gone with, I guess, with with your community and family and friends. And it, could you touch on that a little bit? Uh, my parents have always been like, pretty, pretty like liberal and like pretty, pretty queer positive. Like my, my dad is a musician, and my mom's an artist and historian. So like, uh, 
both of them really have had like you know are pretty open-minded and so like they didn't really like bat too much of an eye whenever i like told them i was i was gay and like the the whole like name change thing was like a little bit harder um and i changed my name on facebook and i remember like the first time i saw my grandma after i changed my name on facebook i wasn't even gonna tell her because like you know i was like i'd like she's old um i don't expect her to like you know change calling me my dead name and she said hey jude and i was like hey grammy what's up <laughs> and which was like really cool to just like have that like you know like instant and implicit just acceptance because i've all and also like i've always been like the the loud gay one in my friend group so like no one's really like surprised that like you know I, I like i was loud and gay for most of my life and so no one's surprised that i've continued to be loud and gay yeah i mean it's it's sort of always been like a part of who i am yeah. and yeah. like i th- really just like my identity journey has just been more me kind of like understanding the mechanisms behind it and like understanding like really like what my own queer identity looks like mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it sounds like you've been able to be fairly like unapologetic unapologetically you and people in your life can accept that or not yeah i mean it's it's not i i physically cannot be any different like it, it just it doesn't it doesn't work yeah like yeah. i it's like gravity. I always just kind of tend towards being who I am. Have Have you gone through periods where you've tried to like quell that and tamp it down and like, yeah. I mean, there was a period of my life when I was with someone who I was, I'd never been more in love. I really, I don't even think I have been more in love since then. Um, and she had these really big ideas of like what she wanted and who she wanted. And I was so in love with her. I just wanted to help make that happen. And in that I kind of sacrificed a lot of myself and it ended up exploding. And like, that was really like the thing that like pushed me towards like really like this whole, like absolutely like radical uh, uncompromising version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, when you recognize that you've been pushing some of that down to please someone else, it's. And like, it, it really was just because like, you know, like I loved her so much and like, I just wanted her to be happy, but like, I didn't realize like in, in the moment I didn't even realize like how much of myself I was sacrificing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard thing. Cause then when it hits you, it hits you and you're like, Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Emma, do you have any other questions? Oh, probably, but. <laughs> well, the good news is we're friends with Jude, so we can always have them back on the show and do it again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But before we let you go, we have a couple, I have a couple of other questions. Uh, one of them is one of our favorite questions to ask on the show. Oh, so that's where I was going to go to. Well, then you ask it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any fun bloopers that show that sex and relationships don't always go as planned? Um, I'll do you one better. Uh, you want to hear about my first non-monogamy experience? Yes, sure. we do. Yes. <laughs> I was in kindergarten and I started dating my boyfriend and we were together. And then like we, we ended up being together for like from kindergarten through fifth grade. 
And um, and at people some point, can't see you're using air quotes as as boyfriend, but <laughs> just to clear that like, relationship. Exactly, exactly. But, um, we were like he was my first kiss in like the fourth grade. It was very cute, but um, I think like like uh, like first or second grade. He was also dating this other girl who was my friend. And so all three of us would just like kind of hold hands through the hallway. And like, it was totally fine. <laughs> There's no way you're going back to monogamy, Jude. No, I'm just, I'm totally just. <laughs> this is, it's who you are. <laughs> no, that's amazing. They're just expressing it differently. I, I know. I you have it. Ryan and you have other relations. Like it's, it's all, uh, yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> what I think like fuck the labels sometimes right like let's just <laughs> let's just be us and like if you want to call it monogamy call it monogamy like who the hell cares i don't know that's my stance on it who the hell cares what we do with our lives let's just be kind to each other yeah there we go yeah i had another question go for it i forgot my question <laughs> oh i remember my question all right can you tell us about jello wrestling we know you're starting an <laughs> empire and uh, we're super excited about the empire that is Jude's Jello wrestling. Um, do you, do you just let me like tell the full story of like the inception of it and all that? Let's let's whatever tell you- it and and like whatever you want to do to pump it up and promote it, so people are like, uh, yeah, I'm flying to New Orleans to Jello <laughs> wrestle. Um, so the first Jello wrestling was in May of 2021, and I was like, you know, kind of still fresh off of my breakup. And it was also like, you know, COVID and um, it was right after everyone got they more or less got their second dose of the vaccination. And so like, there was this really beautiful period of hope. And I was talking to Zelda um, again, like around this time last year. And I was like, Zelda, I just want to have intense physical contact with someone. And at this point, I don't care where it comes from. I'm lonely and I want to be touched. Um, and Zelda looks back at me and they're like, do you want to wrestle? And I was like, absolutely. I want to wrestle. And so we started, like, you know, going to, like, see more friends and stuff. And we'd mentioned, like, yeah, me and Zelda are going to wrestle. And all of our friends were like, oh, my God, I want to watch that. <laughs> and it became, like, it hit, like, a critical mass for me where, like, I couldn't just justify inviting some people over, watching me and Zelda wrestle in the backyard for, like, 10 minutes. And, like, that's it. I was like, I need, I need to structure, like, a, a party to, like, have to feature wrestling in a way that doesn't disrupt the flow of the party. And I was like, okay. Jello wrestling. That makes sense. Like that, that was like immediately where my mind went to, to as well. Like that was like option one and it was correct. <laughs> Amazing. We had not heard the inception story. I'm, I'm in, I'm enthralled. Keep going. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, okay. And like, this was also like one in the morning and I was fucking, I was so stoned. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to attach this to like, like a party tight. So like, you know, like it's, it's jello wrestling something. And I was like, jello wrestling barbecue. And then I just discovered like the most perfect phrase in the English language. Like it is, it, was, it fe- like the mouthfeel on it alone is beautiful. Um, and then like I, I pitched it to all of my roommates, and they're like, "I mean, that that sounds kind of weird. Like I guess you could do that." And so like you know, I was a little bit disheartened. And then I started talking to some more of my friends about it, and they were like, "That sounds fucking awesome." I'm like, "Okay, I am gonna do it." And like it. Like, you know, I put a lot of work into it and like the more like time and energy I put into it, like the more like Ryan and Azalda and Libby, like all like really started getting into it too. And like, it was really cool to like, see that I inspired like that action in the people that I'm closest to. And then the actual day of Jello wrestling, 
I invited like 45 people said that they were going on Facebook. I think about 70 people ended up showing up, uh, showing up total. And that was like the best day of my life. And it was really beautiful too, just seeing like, you know, all these people come in costumes and congregate in this big group of people, like people who hadn't like hung out with new people in a really long time getting close and like touching each other and like having just like this awesome weird expression of like community and creativity and consent and like it like it went so well and it was so much fun and like I, I was literally riding that high for like a week afterwards and and then like everyone was just like okay when's the next one and I was like fuck I don't know and so I tried planning the next one and then um, Delta happened and then Ida happened and then it was like September and I was really worried that I wasn't going to have enough time to like get another Jello wrestling out. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm just going to make the event. And uh, right before I did that, the day that I was going to do it, um, my friend messaged our group chat and was like, hey, my birthday's going to be this day. And I was like, fuck, that's when I was going to do Jello wrestling. And then she DM'd me and she was like, hey, can my birthday party be jello wrestling? And I'm like, I mean, problem solved. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, if you want, like, I don't want, like, I know it's your birthday, and I don't want to, like, you know, steal your thunder. And she's like, no, like, I want, like, people are, like, a lot of people are going to come to my birthday party if it's jello wrestling. I want my birthday party to be jello wrestling. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then jello wrestling too is just as big. Uh, but I met this guy Jordan, who, um, like, is like just kind of around everywhere, like knows a lot of people. And he put together like this really awesome, like promo video for jelly wrestling. And he was like, I think jelly wrestling should like be a, like a bigger thing. And so he introduces me to the owner of cafe Istanbul and um, Chuck gives me like this great deal on like using the space. And then jelly wrestling three went by like really immaculately, like, like uh, a lot of my like, friends couldn't make it because it was like right before Mardi Gras and like a lot of people were like you know hungover or tired but like still so many people showed up and like a lot of them that was their first jello wrestling and like that was just really cool to know that like the half-assed um marketing that I did brought in that many people and like a lot of the people who would have come didn't and so like now I'm just really excited for the next one and also like before the event was even halfway over the owner was like hey Jude like let me know if you want to talk future events and I was able to have like a, a pop up for like a food pop up. And now I'm like, I'm really looking forward to being able to bring in like more like, you know, like black femme independently owned businesses uh, to like collaborate with Jello Wrestling. And like it, it's it's become definitely something so much bigger than myself. And I'm just at, completely blown away with like how it has happened and it has still been less than a year since it started. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> it's I mean, amazing. I'm just I'm excited for y'all's jello wrestling. I think that's gonna be really, really fun. Yeah, yes. which is which is still like not officially announced, which is awesome and we're totally cool with that. But like when we come down for our pool party and high ropes, we're making jello wrestling happen and we're super pumped for the it. weekend of September seventeenth. Yes. This 2022 so there's a good chance by the time anybody's listening to this we still don't have all the details hashed out but it's happening and it's, it's happening. happening the weekend yeah. of september 17th so buy your plane tickets get your ass to new orleans <laughs> mark your calendar and come to new orleans yeah and bring your costumes and and your jello well jello's <laughs> no. jello's provided you don't need to bring yeah. jello like i i, I handle the whole jello like 
<laughs> Jelly like sponsor me, jellywrestlingsupply.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anyone is interested in following um just what like jelly wrestling is, please follow jello underscore wrestling underscore nola on Instagram. And, and links to that will be in the show notes, so go follow that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. If if enough people start following the Instagram, I might just start shit posting on the story. So like that that could also be fun if you're interested in that. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, is there anything else, Jude, that you wanted to promote or get out there in the world at all? Um, for right now, <laughs> I not only do I um, coordinate jelly wrestlings, I also do other kinds of events too: weddings, um, birthday parties, um, corporate events. So like. If if you need a good event handled, please reach out to me. <laughs> Excellent. And, and your contact information will be in the show notes. Yes. Sorry, I stole your line. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I know. That's why I said I stole it. Nope. It's, it's all good. Well, thank you for being here today, Jude. We're super yeah, excited. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. It was wonderful talking, and uh, we can't wait to do it again. So thank you. Yeah. And we'll see you at Jello Wrestling. We'll see all of you at Jello Wrestling. And hopefully many of these listeners. (laughs) And we're back. Third time's a charm. Yeah. Not necessarily my fault all the time. One of one of the one of these redos is your fault. One of them's my fault. It's true. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jude, for coming on the podcast. We had a wonderful time talking to you, and we're so excited to get this story, your story, out there. And thank you for creating the New Orleans Wrestling Federation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops, a daisy. From Jello Wrestling. You know, we, we could have we could have gone and fixed that, but you know, we're not gonna. <laughs> Jello wrestling, yes, and we can't wait to experience Jello wrestling with you and everyone else. A quick reminder this coming Friday, that's Friday, May 13th, 2022, we have a virtual meet and greet coming up. These are open to anyone. Just go to our website, sign up. We just request that you are respectful and open minded to join. A few other quick reminders. Uh, we also mentioned in the intro about the Bonobo Network Retreat. Again, go back to episode 234 from last week and listen to William Winters. He's going to talk all about what the Bonobo Network is and share his story. But that retreat is coming up at the end of May, May 27th to 30th. Definitely check out the information at bonoboretreat.com or in the podcast show notes of this episode. The other thing you can do, if you, maybe you're going to go to the Bonobo Retreat, you mm-hmm. know what you need to do before you go to the Bonobo Retreat? Get tested for STIs. That was a, you passed the, you passed this week's test. I nailed Emma. it. You nailed it. So our favorite way to get tested for STIs is a website and service called STDcheck.com. This is how Emma and I get tested regularly, and we love this service. It is fast. It is easy. It is affordable at about one hundred and thirty dollars for a ten panel test. If you use the links on our website, it saves you ten dollars and supports the show financially. So a huge thank you from us uh, for not only being awesome sexual health advocates, but for helping support the show financially. Yes, thank you so much. And also just a really quick reminder, while you're on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, you can find information about our Patreon community and you can find the contact us button, reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email if you're interested in coming on the podcast or if you have any comments, questions, we'd love to hear from you. 
next week we've got another interview or something. Surprise, surprise. We have another interview with Jessica from the Open Late podcast. Yeah. And also really exciting. We go on her podcast as well. Yes. So that information will be out next week, how you can find that. And we're excited for that conversation. It's a great one. And I think that's it. That's all we got today. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you Friday at the virtual meet and greet. See you there.